At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. When you're 48 and 59, generally, you're not going to be a minus 275 favorite against most people. But when you're hosting the Pittsburgh Pirates in August, I suppose anything is possible. Who would have thought big money on the Diamondbacks tonight, folks? I'm Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. Lots and lots of stuff to discuss, both from baseball and football perspectives, with Mark Madden on a Madden Monday shortly. I'm coming to you from St. Vincent College in Latrobe right now as we get set for an afternoon practice for the Steelers. They're going over to Latrobe Memorial Stadium today for their practice. The night practice on Friday washed out. Uh, Fans are allowed to come in for free with free tickets. If you are listening and in the area, by the time you hear this podcast, go on over and see the Steelers practice. It's a game week as they get set to take on the Seattle Seahawks for the first game at Acrisure Stadium of the year. And the first game featuring the three-headed monster of Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky, and Kenny Pickett. Not necessarily in that order, but according to the depth chart, Trubisky, Rudolph, and Pickett. We'll see how that plays out, and we'll talk to Mark Madden about that at great length in our Madden Monday podcast. But let's begin with baseball, and we are calling all baseball fans This week, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is your home for same-game parlay bets on all professional baseball games. Create your ideal same-game parlay of over three legs and receive up to 50% of a profit boost. 50% of a profit boost when you qualify with same-game parlay wagers this week only. Head over to BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app for more details. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
The Pirates are plus 210 tonight to win at Arizona, just minus 106 to cover a run and a half on the run line. In good consciousness, I can't tell anyone to take your hard-earned money and bet it on Tyler Beattie and the Pirates' bullpen, especially after Beattie allowed four runs and six base runners in an inning and a third his last outing. I would never tell you to do that, but I also don't know if I would ever tell you to bet on the Diamondbacks at minus 275. Zach Gallen, 6-2, and two, a 331 ERA. Not bad. I'd pick the Diamondbacks, too, but not at minus 275. If I go with the Snakes here, uh, I go run line or I don't play at all. That only cost you 118 bucks on 100. Or you go the over eight runs at minus 113. Not like either of these teams are offensive juggernauts or anything. That's a little dicey as well. Bigger picture on this series Pirates are going west. They play four games in Arizona Monday through Thursday. Then they have a three-game weekend set in San Francisco. The Diamondbacks have been up and down since the All-Star break. After winning a series against the Washington Nationals, they swept three games from the Giants, then got swept in three games in Atlanta. From there, they split six games going one and two in Cleveland while taking two of three from the Rockies at home. Uh, as I mentioned, at 48 and 59, Arizona is four and a half games better than the Pirates at 44 and 54 in the National League standings. Wednesday night's matchup is the most intriguing of the series. I think the Pirates will face old friend Madison Bumgarner in Pittsburgh. He's best remembered for shutting down the Pirates in the 2014 Wild Card game, twirling a four-hit complete game shutout and route to an eight-nothing win as a member of the Giants. However, his career numbers against the Pirates are unimpressive. Just 3-6 and six and 11 starts, the ERA of 329. So the ERA, not bad, but again, just 3-6 and six overall against Pittsburgh. I would have thought it would have been better than that. Bumgarner is 6-10 and 10 with a 396 ERA this year. The Pirates will counter with Mitch Keller in that game. He's only given up six earned runs over his last five starts as we get a little windy here in Latrobe. Sorry about that, but thus are the perils of broadcasting outside at training camp. Uh, also, today, the Orioles, well, they lost twice in the run line in that Pirates series. That's rare for them. Once on a one nothing win, once on that 8-1 defeat on Sunday. By the way, I hate that catcher's interference call that went against Baltimore. They get the Blue Jays tonight. That's a battle in the AL East. The Orioles are four back of the Jays for second behind the Yankees. Kikuchi has been a little bit better of late than what he was to start the year, but still not great. I like the Orioles on the run line here, only costing you minus 137. It's plus 118 straight up to win, so I like that too. The over-under is high at 9.5, but it won't cost you much at minus 105. I'd stay away from that, though, and just go with the Orioles on either the run line or straight up. Another ex-Pirate in the AL East, Jamison Tyon, throws tonight two, a revenge series after the Mariners took two of three from the Yankees a week ago. Tyon was victimized in that series, giving up five earned runs in a no decision. He hasn't been consistently good since the middle part of June. Logan Gilbert pitches for the Mariners tonight at minus 105. He's 104 with an ERA of 309. I like Seattle tonight, but if you are someone who hunts for the value on the Yankees and wants to bet on them when you get it, tonight is a good night to do so. Uh, if you're somebody that says, I'll bet the Yankees, but only when the price is low, you only need to spend minus 115 to pick the Yankees to win tonight. It's not going to get much lower than that to ever get in on the Bronx Bombers, so keep that in mind. And speaking of value, if you thought Tyler Anderson was getting paid too much at the start of the season for the Dodgers at $8 bucks for one year, think again. 
11 guys and the Dodgers make more than that. The former Pirate is back on track for them after a win last night. He is now 13-1 and with an ERA of 272 after blanking San Diego 4 to nothing. He pitched seven innings of shutout ball. Uh, last time out, Anderson allowed five earned runs and five innings against the Giants, resulting in his lone loss of the season. But in four of his last five appearances, he's pitched at least six innings of shutout baseball. Former Pirate Josh Bell went 0 for 3 in that game. He's 3 for 15 since joining the Padres via trade with the Washington Nationals at the deadline last week. The Dodgers are off tonight. The Padres do play against the Giants at home. Alec Wood and Blake Snell, I'm going over 7.5 there. Uh, I'm looking at the pitching matchup. Both ERAs around 4.5. Uh, it's only minus 115 to take the over at 7.5. That's not too risky for me. Wood got smoked his last time out against the Dodgers. Snell has been good for San Diego, though, in his last six starts. One earned run or less five times, including six innings of one run, three hit ball against those Giants a month ago today. There's an in-game parlay if you want to go with two legs at least. Maybe mix in, oh, I don't know, Josh Bell or Soto to Homer. Snell and the Padres beating the Giants. Uh, that would pay out on the two legs. With a final score, say, of 6-1, you get that at plus 175 on a payout. All right, when we come back, we'll talk more baseball about the Pirates and their Hall of Fame selections with Mark Madden of 105.9 The X. We also get into Steeler gambling talk with the season total over-under wind line, and we also get into some soccer gambling with Mark, too. We kick that around a little bit, pun fully intended. That's on the way next. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast from Latrobe at St. Vincent College, and it's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. And 1-800-522-4700 in Nevada. Another Madden Monday podcast. Tim Benz and Mark Madden. As always, brought to you by BetRivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Read Mark in the Trib four times a week and check him out on 105.9 The X, Monday through Friday, 3 until 6. And Mark, you're in the casino, at Rivers Casino, over the weekend, actually on Friday. And uh, I'm curious, did you get anybody talking to you, coming up and speaking with you about the gambling action on the Steelers? What, what do you think about some of the preseason lines, like the over-under at 7.5 for the Steelers? Well, Tim, I don't give a rat's ass about none of that because I'm betting soccer. I, <laughs> I've made three soccer bets. I'm down exactly $56.50. I went one for three. Uh, the only bet I hit was Arsenal to win on the road against Crystal Palace in the EPL opener uh, on Friday afternoon, Friday night in, in England, 3 o'clock our time. So uh, Liverpool, I had a, a, a parlay of solid a score, Liverpool to win. I got solid a score in Liverpool to somehow tie Fulham. So, so far, so bad. Now I remember why I don't bet sports. But that over-under of seven and a half, I mean, that strikes me as one I probably just won't bet, just like I didn't bet last year. I think they nailed it. I, I don't see a, a weakness leaning either way, do you? 
I don't. You know, I think that number is right on. I, I think that they probably win eight games, but I could very see, easily see them winning six because the quarterback situation is bad. Six or seven the season. Yeah, they were right around the number, just about on it last year too, uh, when they ended up winning nine games and going what was it nine seven to one. So. It's always with the Steelers, you think, Mark, it's essentially right around 9-10 wins. Uh, I know it's a 17-game season now, and that bakes it up a little bit, but it's always tough to call the over-under on them because that's just usually where they are. Yeah, and I don't think this will be any exception, but I, I have a, a way of tempering my annual prediction that I think applies here. Um, this year, I would say they're an eight-win team, but I'd bet on them to win six before I'd bet on them to win ten. And that's probably where your money should lie if you do make the prediction and you do put the money down. Um, if you're feeling like it could go bad in one direction or the other, which one is more likely? And I do think it's what you said. Like, I don't see, especially after what we've noticed in camp so far, it's not going to be an instant hit with Mitch Trubisky. There's going to be a learning curve there for him, for sure. Well, yeah, the quarterback situation is extremely interesting uh, because I don't know what they do in the exhibition game, which, of course, start this Saturday when they host Seattle at, um, at Acrisure Stadium. Uh, Pickett just isn't close to being ready. In fact, Tim, I'm told he might not be ready to play exhibitions yet, that that's how shaky they feel he's looked in camp. And then um, – Rudolph's familiar with the offense, so I expect him to continue to look better than anybody else. But but the point is, in these exhibition games, and not least the first one, Trubisky needs reps. If you made me predict right now what the division of duty will be in the exhibition game on Saturday, the, the first preseason game, I'd say Trubisky and Rudolph each play half, and Pickett maybe gets a series. And when it comes to getting reps, he's barely gotten any reps with the likes of Claypool, Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, and Najee Harris because those guys, either through contract situations or injuries, haven't been available. And that's a huge caveat when we analyze how Trubisky's been playing, but it's not a caveat when we talk about the learning curve and the adjustment for him running a new offense if those guys are supposed to be on the field. Well, that's right. That's why they have to concentrate on getting him reps if, indeed, as we all suspect, he's the preordained starter for week one. Although, I've been on my show, Tim, and of course, this has gained no momentum because the great unwashed here in Pittsburgh have long since decided they don't like Mason Rudolph. But uh, he's having the best camp. He has the most experience in the offense. I know that you want your quarterback in week one to be the guy you're kind of going to start all season, but why is that? What would be wrong with starting Rudolph the first game, maybe the first couple while Trubisky catches up on the learning curve and you find out about Rudolph in, well, you know he can he can play a little. He's 5-4-1 since he joined the Steelers, but uh, in a season where every win figures to count, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you stagger the way things are normally approached to try to eke out an extra win somewhere. Why? I think the answer to that is it would be them admitting that they screwed up twice in acquiring Trubisky and drafting Pickett for this year. Or at least that's how it would look. But they might have. You're asking me why, and I think my answer to your why is that because they'd be afraid of admitting it. Well, no, no, but the mistake would have been doing both. Okay, if they they thought they were going to draft Pickett 
They should have just stuck with Rudolph as the transition guy. If they signed Trubisky, then they shouldn't have drafted Pickett. It should have been one or the other. Because they do seem to have their hearts set on Trubisky, even through the first parts of training camp when they came out with their league-mandated depth chart. They put Trubisky as one and Rudolph as two. So that's what they want it to be. Um, you know, that's unfortunately a message that Mason Rudolph has to take. You know, I heard you talking about this on your show. I mean, even though he hasn't been a very good quarterback, you do kind of feel sorry for him with the way things have gone down around here. Well, Tim, I feel bad for Rudolph because the citizens don't like him because he looked weak and scared in the fight with Garrett. He looked weak and scared when he got his face mask cut off after Baltimore concussed him. But he really hasn't played that horribly. He's been okay. And I think he would have been an okay transition guy uh, while Pickett gets ready. I'm worried about Pickett, though. I have gotten no reports. I mean, Tim, you've been there. You tell me. All the people I talked to have been there saying he looks way behind. Way behind. Not that he is going to be terrible forever. Not that he can't be their quarterback for the long term when the long term gets here. But, like, way behind is in no chance of playing this year. From what I saw up until this week, it wasn't even functional. Like, you couldn't tell what the offense was supposed to be doing. And I don't know if that was mainly him, all because of him, circumstances beyond him. Uh, I think this past week, later in the week, after he got some reps with the twos, and it looked like the second-team offense was ahead of the second-team defense, even when Rudolph was in there, he looked like he at least belonged. Um, but largely, your reports that you're getting, especially for the first few weeks, uh, I would agree with. Well, like I said, I, I hear they hesitate to even play him in the first exhibition. That could change this week. Yeah, and I think that might have a lot to do with the third-string offensive line because that's apparently just not functional. I mean, these, these are third-string Steelers defensive linemen they're going up against, and they're getting housed on a regular basis. Well, yeah, Tim, but when we talk about, well, you know, Trubisky, this guy's been hurt, that guy's been hurt, and when you talk about Pickett, well, you know, he's playing with the threes. But it's always something with both of them. I, I want to hear excuses why things are going right not why they're going wrong. Here's what I've heard about Pickett that is a little surprising to me, that his issues, from what I had been told, weren't about him getting the verbiage out of his mouth, getting the team in and out of the huddle. It's not the knowledge of the playbook or the offense. It's he's having a very difficult time dealing with the speed of the game and not putting much air under the ball when he throws deep and knowing how quickly the ball has to come out and the quickness of the reads, all those things that we thought he would be ahead of the curve on than the average quarterback, he is not. And his quote-unquote high-end skill, we all knew wasn't all that high, even for a first-round quarterback. It was the how-ready-is-he-to-play-now stuff that we had been so sold on, and that apparently is not there. Yeah, to be fair, did they sell us on that or did we sell ourselves on No, I mean, I, I have quotes. You know, I went back and, and went through the press conference after he was drafted and it was a lot of maturity. It was a lot of, he's 24, he's battle-tested in the ACC that will help him in terms of the competition this year. And I went back and kind of with a different lens now, looked at what was said by Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin and it was almost like they 
at that point either hadn't made up their mind yet about Trubisky or they were trying to fool us into thinking that they hadn't made their mind up about Trubisky, but you know, they were selling the competition angle and maybe Pickett could start, and that's just not gonna happen. Um yeah, maybe shame on us for believing in a, a kid who was uh, the best quarterback of a bad draft bunch. Still dropped to number 20 overall, nonetheless. Another quarterback didn't get picked till the third round. And I still think, Tim, the Steelers would not have drafted Pickett had he not felt they were overly familiar with him because he played at Pitt. Mark Madden with us. What would you think of the Deontay Johnson contract? I think it's fair to, to team and player. It, you know, it's like I wrote in the trip. He got number one receiver money almost, which is fitting because he's a number one receiver almost. Uh, you know, he's perkier but not plum. He got 18 uh, some odd million on average annual value of the extension. That's about right. I, I give both sides credit for getting it done. And I think Omar Khan has done a pretty good job as general manager. Uh, not that I would assign everybody. I wouldn't assign Deontay at all. But considering that, that apparently they're – I don't know who decided they wanted to do it, Tim. I, I think when you sign a guy like that, you're giving your current team more credit for being in contention for something than than, than they should be doing. But, uh, but I thought it was good value. I, I think it's a decent deal. One thing that I noted when I wrote about this for the Trib was that if they are going to – commit $18 million to him over the next two years after this one, when the extension kicks in, they're pretty good years to do that because like, what are the Steelers going to do? Sign a $15 million tackle, a $15 million corner. They just don't do that. They put money towards keeping their own and they don't have a lot of their own coming up. So I think they had a comfort zone to do this when otherwise they wouldn't. Plus, the cap is going to go up even more. So I think it was a sweet spot for Johnson, if he really wanted to stay here, to at least soak that money out of the Steelers. Yeah, uh, what you said. Uh, I'm just not sure that, again, within the context of the team they have now, uh, considering wide receivers are extremely replaceable within the context of the league, and especially considering... Uh, the Steelers have always had an easy time replacing receivers. I just wouldn't have signed up at all. I'm not angry that they did. I'm just telling you what I would not yeah. have done, and that's it. I, I got you, and I think maybe what they're thinking is, well, we know he's good. Um, this is not the kind of money that is the going rate for receivers. Let's give him this. We know ourselves we're not signing somebody else's tackle or corner. Maybe we'll draft those guys for a change high this year. Yeah, uh, I would have done it this year. Yeah, <laughs> getting getting back to Pickett. Yeah, right. Exactly. I know they just, but they seem so sold on the tackles, especially Dan Moore, don't they? They do, and actually, Dan Moore looks a little bigger, seems a lot more confident. Um, he might he might actually be better this year, Mark, than Chooks is, and they're paying Chooks a lot to oh, be Chooks. I, I would hope somebody's better than, than Chooks is, and. And that contract, at least they can get out of that after one year. So it's not like a lifetime commitment to Chooks or even past this year. I, I hesitate to commit to Chooks for any appreciable length of time. But, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, Dan Moore, I mean, he might be okay. It's just 
again, Tim, like I've said, since they started signing who they signed to these big money deals, I consider the most important positions in football to be in some order. Well, quarterback, obviously number one, then cornerback, left tackle and edge rusher. And the Steelers are spending almost no money on any of those positions except for TJ Watt at edge rusher. How do you think things are going in Cleveland right now? The latest is Kareem Hunt wants to trade. Well, I mean, he, he did a hold-in for a couple of days, I saw. Tim, he's got to get a grip. It takes more than a couple of days to do a hold-in. <laughs> I mean, look look, look, look down, look down the, the turnpike 79, whatever it is, whatever route you take. And, uh, you know, if you do it here, it works. I did a column about that. The hold-in always works. But, uh, yeah, Cleveland's just um, – I, I'm beginning to think who, who's the owners up there, the husband and wife, the Haslam's. Uh, yeah. I'm beginning to think that they're just incompetent boobs and a lot of bad flows down from that. Like excrement always does. You know, I was looking at some quotes that came up from Cleveland. Wyatt Teller sort of intimated in a quote that they're getting itchy knowing or not knowing what the situation is with Watson about how long he's going to be out. Um, you know, I, I saw Jake Trotter on ESPN radio had said something to the effect that the team is starting to get a little antsy about the length of time and what the offense is going to look like if it's Jacoby Brissett for, you know, 12 games as opposed to six. That's a big difference. Like, you know, hey, they made their bed, though. They yeah. had to know this could happen. Although I think they were conning on between six and eight. And I, I don't think they thought the NFL would take a stand against its own new disciplinary system, which is exactly what they're doing. Their schedule, too, is so bad at first, they might actually be able to stay afloat and, you know, get out of that six-game pack like three and three or two and four. That's how bad their schedule is. Yeah, and I think they're a good team. I mean, I, I think on paper they're really good. I think on paper they're clearly better than the Steelers, don't you? I would... This is how I would line up the AFC. If I were to bet on exact order of finish in the AFC North, I would bet on the Bengals to win it, especially because the Ravens are actually technically the favorite. I would take the Ravens second, then the Steelers, then the Browns. You would go with the Steelers in fourth, is that right? Uh, It depends on the suspension. If it stays at six games, I would go with the Steelers in fourth, yes. I think uh, last time I saw the Steelers are at minus 155 to be in the exact order of finish in fourth place. So that's definitely what most people think, even with the suspension being nebulous and minimum of six games for Watson. Don't go by me, Tim. I bet on Liverpool to win and Salah to score. Hey, by the way, the Salah thing, like, so if, if I'm betting soccer and I bet on a player that's as good as Salah to score, like, what what's my comeback? What's the payback usually for a really good player to score? Uh, well, I had Gabriel Jesus to score as a standalone Yeah. Uh, for Arsenal on Friday. I bet 50 to win 130. Okay. Now, now Jesus is, is not as good as Salah, but but I'll give, I'll give an example. I don't know what the exact odds for Salah were, but the, the uh, Liverpool was a heavy, heavy favorite against uh, Fulham, which, of course, makes the result all that more uh, great. Uh, but uh, but I bet Liverpool to win Salah to score, and I got even money. I, I Well, 50 to win 51. Mark, I saw something you tweeted that I agree with about the Pirates Hall of Fame. And uh, oh. 19 guys are going in, 16 of them are dead. Yeah. Why would you do that? Why on earth would you do that? Like, you know, I'm as big of a fan as anybody when it comes to 
the history of the Pirates and the Wainer brothers and Max Carey and all that, but... Tim, they named a guy to their first class named Jake Beckley, who died in 1918. Yeah, so he could wait until 2023 to get in. You know who literally might not be able to? Dick Grote. Dick Grote's 91. He's a former MVP. He was on the Pirate World Championship team. Name them when it means more. Name them because they're trying to do, you know, they're trying to make it easy is what they did. Oh, okay, you're in the Hall of Fame already, so we'll just do everybody who's in the Which Hall of Fame. Which is what the Steelers did. Yeah, so they're kind of mimicking that. But the that. Steelers effed it up, too. I, I, you know, the Steelers didn't eff it up this bad, but they effed it up. But yeah, three guys of the, of the, of the uh, 19 are alive. Here's another weird one, Tim. They named four Negro League players, okay, which I get. Mm-hmm. They didn't name Satchel Paige. Satchel Page is the greatest Negro League pitcher ever, and he pitched in Pittsburgh. If you're doing this just to name the quote-unquote best guys, which seems to be the intent, you've got to pick Satchel Page. And what about Barry Bonds? Well, you can save him for later when maybe, you know, he and the city or he and the club have kissed and made up. That He should definitely be in it if you're naming the best players, but that does not rage me. Yeah, and I guess you do want to save a couple big-ticket items here and there as time goes goes along, and you can save Bonds for a while. But, you know, I don't know how Kiston... Who was in charge of this, do you know? I don't know who was in... Like, the voting, how they voted? I don't know. I don't know what the voting process was. No, no, who organized it? I believe Jim Tredinich is the guy who's the chairman of the Hall of Fame. That's yeah, that explains a lot. I understand the design for wanting to have like a big ticket guy down the line, but Bonds, I don't know when Bonds and the team are ever going to kiss and make up any more than what they already have. Like, And as the years go by, I think it turns into a how come Barry isn't in yet? How come Barry isn't in yet? And then he gets honked off about it, maybe makes it worse. Yeah, it's kind of like James Harrison not being in it. You'd figure he'd be in it by now, which leads me to think that there is some friction between Harrison and the club over the way he exited and the stuff he did with... Uh, Antonio Brown as well. Well, again, I think 16 dead out of 19 inducted speaks for itself. And not too oddly because they're all dead. Mark, got a big concert week coming up, don't you? Yeah, um, I got Motley, Def Leppard, don't forget Poison with Brett Michaels, who's stealing the show, Butler's own on the stadium tour, Joan Jett opening up. I think there's even a fifth band. And then uh, that's Friday, then... Uh, Sunday, there's uh, Greta Van Fleet opening for Metallica. Both those those two shows, the Motley Stadium show and, and uh, Metallica are at uh, PNC Park. And then Monday night, Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin experience out in uh, Greensburg at the Palace Station. And Tim, that was a that was a, that concert was only announced this week. You know, they they booked it on two weeks' notice, which was odd. But I'm going to go. I saw that, um, and it's been publicized and wallpapered everywhere. Uh, because I think they're trying to get people in. And I don't know why that was so quickly spun around. It was like a replacement date, or was that a return date when they canceled something, maybe because of COVID? No, no, they, they, they didn't cancel. They were at the Palace not horribly long ago, inside of a year, I think. What'd you think of Foreigner? Tim, it, it didn't feel like the first time. <laughs> uh, no, no, you know, for the first time in, in, in my life, I'm thinking these, some of these heritage bands should hang it up. Uh, I saw Foreigner with no original members. Mick Jones wasn't there. He plays with them only sporadically. I saw Skinner in Atlantic City last month. Gary Rossington, the lone original member, came out for the last two songs. That was it. Uh, Whitesnake canceled their North American tour because David Coverdale 
can't get rid of his upper respiratory infection. Steven Tyler can't get rid of cocaine. Who knows when Aerosmith will, will play again. And, um, and uh, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, I saw him a couple of weeks back at Star Lake. He had to be led to his piano with a walker by two people. Maybe it's just time to stop. And when you contrast that with Greta Van Fleet, who are all 25 or younger, and how energetic they are, that kind of drives the point home even more. Well, after 16 of 19 dead people are going into the Pirates Hall of Fame at PNC Park, maybe it's fitting that these concerts are at PNC Park. Well, yeah, but I'm not sure the ushers will know how to deal with the crowd. (laughs) Well, that's going to start with Billy Joel on Thursday. I'm not going to see that one. I saw him the last time at PNC, and I was underwhelmed. I'm not going to to this one. I bet he's good, though. Although, like like I said, Tim, maybe that comes under the heading I'm talking about where these guys, yes. are, they should just quit. No, I, I'm with you. And, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of these last tours are sort of like, you know, the last, what would you say, 20 to 25 games of Ben Roethlisberger's career. Well, I, the most striking example when I first started to kind of catch on to this is like, it's since the pandemic uh, abated, so maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. We were going to concerts two summers ago, right? Uh, yeah, because I was going to Black Crows, right, yes. Yeah, two summers ago. I saw Greta Van Fleet, uh, maybe it was in Cleveland. I don't know, when were they at A&E? This, this, it all runs together when you're old like me. But I saw Greta Van Fleet, and then like four days later, I went to Atlantic City and on consecutive nights saw Kiss and Journey. And I was like, somebody move. <laughs> Mark Madden, you can listen to him on 105.9 The X, Monday through Friday, three until six, read him four times a week in Trib Live, and check him out weekly here on the Madden Monday Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com.